it's the next level. Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 113 of the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network from the Showcast Spotlight, as well as We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, also here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. And I want to apologize ahead of time. To me, it sounds like my voice is a little rough. I don't know if it comes across that way. Uh, a little scratchier than normal, but yeah. not not dramatically noticeable. Uh, it has a lot to do with um, one just having a great time at a, at a barbecue on Saturday, but probably more than likely screaming on roller coasters because <laughs> I was doing I was doing that yesterday. Uh, it was a combination trip with a group of people from out of town and also um, some scouting. Which I, I thought was uh, it was a good way to do some scouting was just to live in the moment. Yeah, which uh, I, I can't wait for to see where things are going to be in about a year from now. I can't so. either. It, it, I'm telling you, like when I was there yesterday, I went to Hershey Park, which is here in Pennsylvania, um, which is a potential location for Phenomicon at some time next year. And I, I don't want to guarantee that's where it's going to be. But I was there with a group of people from out of town. And of course, you know. You do as you do in Hershey Park. You get chocolate and you ride the rides. And there was a bunch of kids there, too. So, of course, like we were going on like younger kid rides, but for the kids and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. But the whole time I'm walking around, I'm like, man, how awesome would it be if there were like cosplayers in the mix out here and like walking around like people dressed like zombies or dressed like Green Arrow, like all riding the roller coasters with you. I'm like, that would just be something that has never been done before and would just be awesome to be a part of. <laughs> so um, that would be quite cool I, i'm looking forward to it but again we're uh still in the very beginning stages but a lot of really cool stuff in the works right now um and we'll just see where it goes yeah totally so uh one show to talk about this week as we had last week but this time it is the finale we have the finale of season uh season three of supergirl and that's pretty much all we're going to cover this week. But uh, next week, we're going to bring you some stuff as part of the summer series of the shows. Uh, we'll go into a little bit more what exactly we're going to be doing uh, next week and potentially because we have the um, the annuals we're going to have to get into soon, too. Uh, yeah, very, very soon. It's crazy. Normally, the annual annuals are fully wrapped up by now at this point in time. So it's a little bizarre for us to be heading into, ju- into July without even recording one annual. Um, which I, I, <laughs> I, I'm really happy this is not going to happen like this next year. 
because it's just bizarre. So <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but even in the course of next year, I think this is something that's that's going to come up in the news too. But the dates have already been released for when the shows are going to premiere, and they're not until October. Yeah, so we have a little bit more time than we did. Yeah, uh, normally we get a late September start on average, but like even the way that they do the rollout, we'll get into it with the news because it's a little bit different. So yeah, but we'll see. It's uh, it's going to take some adjustment, but well, I'm sure we'll be fine. Oh, yeah, we will be fine. All right. But let's jump into the season finale of Supergirl season three, episode 23. First, with our one of three point ranking, that being sidekick hero or legend. Uh, What do you give it this time, sir? Uh, You know, um, I'm going to go right off the bat. This is a very strong, strong legend. Uh, It's amazing, especially for a show that has no writers whatsoever. Uh, I really didn't anticipate to fall in love with the show the way I have. And it's amazing to tear through a show this quickly, um, especially in a binge. I've never watched two seasons of a show this quick in my entire life. And uh, I'm really already excited to the fact that I'm on season three. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking about the Great British Bake Off. I'm, I was I like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you had no, me yeah. confused for a second. No, I'm like, no, what the no hell are you talking that, about? No lie. In less than a week, I'm on, already on season three of the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> I now understand why everybody's like, oh, God, it's such a fun show. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I, I have to. It's so funny that you bring that up. Like, again, you had me confused for a second. I'm like, Wait a minute. That's not what you told me you were giving this episode for starters. And then you're talking about binging. I'm like, um, did I just go through a time warp? Like, are we missing something <laughs> here? But when I did the panel with um, Carlos Valdez, Robbie Amell, Katie Lotz, um, Candace Patton, and um, Brandon Routh, that was one of my questions for Carlos was what's in your Netflix queue because he was talking about uh, that you know the Netflix. He was talking about you know how he just likes to sit at home and, and watch Netflix. So I asked him what's in your queue, and he looked at me. He's like, "Oh, Great British Bake Off," and <laughs> you know people in the audience laughed. He's like, "No, no, that's a real show. Uh, it's it's riveting television." <laughs> he's like, "I I highly suggest it." He's like, "I've fallen asleep many times watching it." And Robbie and I was like, "Do you even bake?" And Carlos is like, "No." <laughs> and it, it was one of the best moments, but it's so funny now to hear you bring up the great um, British Bake Off. I, I had so many friends tell me about it forever, and I'm like, you know, I, I do enjoy things like Cutthroat Kitchen and stuff like that. That's a junk food show for me. But I will say honestly, I again completely off the tangent here. Uh, great British Bake Off, no lie. Um, you know, U.S. reality shows are very much like we're going to tear people down and make them feel horrible about the things they do. Man, this show is so not like that at all. It is this kind of like, well, you screwed up. It's OK. We're just going to give you hugs and everybody feels good. It's a really feel good show. And oh it's God. weird for a competition show. Uh, uh, I never I never thought I'd, I'd, I'd say that. But, man, I, I really just it, it is one of those like. When the world's at a crappy place, man, if you need a good day or you need to just feel positive, just watch an episode of The Great British Bake Off. You're, you'll be fine. <laughs> I am so. uh, I am now, just with second confirmation between Carlos Valdez and now you, I have to watch the show. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a it's a dumb cooking show and it's just baking. It, it's desserts and breads and it's just I can't stop watching it. Um, <laughs> Like you wrapped up season two, we we're like, we should probably take a break. We've watched a lot of this. We've watched ten hours of a cooking show in the past, like less than a week. And what do you know? We already are like four episodes into season three, and I'm like, well, that went out the window. <laughs> and so. I think there's a, isn't there a a spinoff of it as well? 
Yes, the Great British Bake Off Masterclass. That's I, it. I, don't, I don't know what that one is. Uh, I, we're only watching the normal show. In the States, it's called the Great British Baking uh, Baking Show because I guess uh, Pillsbury owns the word Bake Off for stuff like that. So, uh, But it's in Netflix is the Great British Baking Show. So, Okay, yeah, I'm going to have to check it out. There's another one on Netflix, too. I know we're getting off topic, but <laughs> there's um, <laughs> another one on Netflix, too, called uh, Nailed It that I want to see. Yeah, I, they keep recommending that one next to it, but I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm thoroughly enjoying what I'm what I'm invested in at this point in time, and I have a feeling once I finish this, Masterclass is next. So, uh, man, it feels weird that we spent almost 10 minutes talking about a cooking show on the It D7. wasn't 10 minutes. Yeah. That's a little, exagger- <laughs> a little exaggerated. <laughs> but, yeah. You Five def- minutes about the Great British Bake Off, but you, yes. You threw me off with that <laughs> comment, sir. Well done. Oh, I'm I was planning this since yesterday, so it's okay. I have time to think about this. <laughs> well done, because you had me thoroughly confused. <laughs> All right, so my actual review yes. of the finale. Uh, I will give it a legend. Um, I think I'm definitely going to give this a lower tier legend. I was really on the cusp uh, between hero and legend. I think because of the status quo changes is why it got its legend, not for what it actually did as a finale. So Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm giving this one a legend as well. Uh, there were definitely a lot of things that happened in this finale. I think I'm giving it a legend more for what this is setting up rather yeah, that's than what exact, happens. As I put it, too, it is, it is based on status quo shifts, yeah. not not the story. So Yeah, it, it's more for what they're setting up for next season, which is really exciting if they do it right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as the, the actual events that happen in the finale – Nothing too groundbreaking or or impactful. Well, no, impactful is the wrong word because there is some impactful stuff that does happen in the finale. But again, it's more the setup for season four. Yeah, yeah, so. and yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of setup, um, not a lot of payoff. So yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's jump into the breakdown of the episode and the things that happened. Supergirl and her team take on Selena in an epic battle for Earth. Uh, the title of the episode, Battles Lost and Won. 7.9 from IMDb out of 10, uh, which is right on that, that legend borderline as well for us. So uh, we, we jump right back into things. We see, you know, all hell and chaos is breaking loose at the end of the penultimate. Uh, and this one jumps right back into it uh, with a sacrifice right from the start. As a matter of fact, before I think before the opening, before you even see the Supergirl symbol, uh, we've already gotten a sacrifice that we knew was coming. <laughs> well, um, more than just that, just kind of like a, a week or two ago when there was the big fight with Rain where they kind of formally stopped the embodiment of rain that was trapped inside Sam. And that whole thing was over before the credits start. So is also the massive main part of the plot for this season also <laughs> was over before these, the, the, uh, the S shield appeared, yes. which was a little weird and a little confusing. And I'm not, I was not very pleased with that. Um, yeah, it was just the idea that we had like Selena and the Kryptonian witches were defeated the entire destruction of the world essentially was stopped all this stuff. And then you had like kind of 35 minutes of, well, now what? And a lot of it was not even really actualized very well. Um, it was a lot of just odd choices. It felt like very odd choices. So, yeah, but I mean, it's, Again, a lot of that stuff that happens in the middle of the episode, it it feels like the layout of this episode was, you know, uh, payoff of penultimate, opening shield, 
set up for for season four, uh, wrap up a finale in a matter of 10, 15 minutes, and then more set up for season four. If, yeah, if, if that's um, correct. I mean, it's yeah, that's I would I would agree with you. I know that some of the stuff with Selena and the rest of the, the witches kind of did go in a little bit past the, the main sequence. But by 20 minutes, I would say the main crux of things was wrapped up with the exception of uh, the black kryptonite angle and Kara and the full on destruction of rain by the end. Um, that was a little later towards the end of the episode. But the rest of it was kind of like, as you put it. Yeah, you're right. It's. The big destruction, the loss of Marin, all is before the S-Shield. Then there's kind of the rest of that fight. Well, sorry, setups for more people leaving. <laughs> yeah. A um, little bit more stuff for setup for next season. And then saying goodbye for about 10 minutes to other characters. And that was kind of this entirety of this episode. So oddly structured for a finale, really oddly structured. And like I said, and I, I will agree, like back to what we talked about last week, is that very much felt like a two-parter. This feels like they should have said, hey, guys, we're going to control Monday night from eight o'clock till 10 o'clock. Give you the whole thing. I think it would have left a better taste in my mouth in the grand scheme of things versus something that definitely felt like it was, you know, an hour and a half long cut into two episodes. So, so if they so you mean if they rather than cut it a, a week apart, if they would have just done like a two hour finale. Yeah, I think that would have worked better here based on the story that they were telling and the way they were wrapping up. I think that would have worked dramatically better here. Yeah, I can see that. And the funny thing is, is I didn't even think about that uh, until you said it as if that had they just done like a two hour finale, which I mean, let's face it. Everything else is on break. It wouldn't have been that difficult to do. Yeah, um, I actually have a really important question because we're talking about the very beginning of the episode. Um, as I mentioned really quickly, and you mentioned as well, uh, we have the loss of a character, that being Marin. Uh, how did you think that played off? Because um, I'm mixed on on that. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because we said goodbye to potentially three characters, not including Rain, because you know you don't count the the end of the big bad. Well, although Samantha and Ruby, we said goodbye to as well, but. So I mean, we there was like five characters we said goodbye to. Yeah, there was like five characters we said goodbye to. We said goodbye to Marin. We said goodbye to Win, Monel, Ruby, and Samantha. Uh, Monel being the first, with as much feeling and emotion as we at that as we have gotten out of this character, and especially the interactions with him and John, um, I thought there'd be more. Yeah, I, um, I really did. I felt more emotion in everybody saying goodbye to Win than I did of Marin. Yeah, because, you know, again, it was very unceremonious. Like, we have John and, and Marin there kind of standing on the street, and they share this one other moment of kind of like, you know, the the first Martian getting the scrolls and basically, like, their history. You know, we, we see this last big moment shared. And then, essentially, Marin kind of turns into a puddle, and that's the end of it. And you're like, that's that's it? Like, you play it up, and they're like, hey, he stopped it. And I'm like, how? Yeah, yeah. We, it was just like it was a lot of t telling not showing and that that's a problem in a finale in my opinion especially for a character that we really really fell in love with and we thought was easily one of the big breakouts of this season hands down absolutely hands down um and i would say somebody that probably when we get to the annual is the person i would say is my favorite character of the season without a question um and i i'm really very disappointed in the fact that it was just kind of like you see him kind of phase down into the phase across the street or down the street. And that it was 
then the earthquake stops within three seconds. It was kind of like, well, that's done. Like, let's just brush off the dust from our pants and go back and get it. Maybe get some ice cream. And it was just, <laughs> it was, it didn't work. It really didn't work. Yeah. So. I mean, and there was the moment, obviously, when they kind of share, when, you know, when John and Marin share that, the, um, you know, the thought transfer again. He's like, let me leave you with one more thing. And we now know that that's what leads John towards his decision at the end of the episode to step down as director of DEO and just walk amongst the people, which I will say, as much as I expected more of a payoff of Marin and John say goodbye to one another, uh, jumping to the end, that moment at the very end when we see John put on the hat and just start walking into the crowd, man, that brought a smile to my face. Oh, yeah. And it really reminds me of even, too, we see this in uh, Justice League, the animated series. Yeah. And that's especially... one of the main things I was thinking about, too, <clears throat> when I saw that is because that's always, you know, yeah, seeing Martian Manhunter become, you know, director of the DEO was one thing. But, you know, when it comes to Smallville and Justice League and, the, and you know, an animated series, Martian Manhunter was always somebody that when he didn't look like Martian Manhunter, just looked like an everyman. He was just one of the people out in the crowd. Yeah, it was that and like and you know, one of the other parts of it too was uh you know, you saw it in the finale of Justice League Unlimited. You know, he's making he shape shifted to look like an, uh, an Asian man who fell in love with somebody, got married, and then all of a sudden in the middle of this big fight, he's just like, uh, honey, I've gotta do this and steps away, jumps into the fray looking like an everyman, and then all of a sudden we see him transform and it's just Wonder Woman like, Oh my god, John, you know, it's you. Yeah. But like we we've even seen this in the comics where he's become like a PI and things like that. Just being a normal normal person and i really loved that setup and what they did there i think that was that's kind of it felt like the closing of marin's story uh you know is john's decision and i do understand that's probably what they're going for i just think as far as saying the big goodbye to a character that's been a, a real integral human part of the show um which is funny because the character's not a human um <laughs> but uh it worked incredibly well and it was really touching um seeing that moment with John at the end where even though we didn't get that moment with Marin at the beginning, cause you would have loved to see a, a better, stronger goodbye um, or a more dramatic moment for Marin's character helping to stop this plight. So, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, when it comes to saying that, that goodbye between the two of them, the, the world was in peril at the time. So right. I understand you've kind of have to speed this up. You don't really have this time to say this big, huge emotional goodbye, walk into the sunset kind of thing. But I still expected maybe slightly a little bit more. Out well, of I think, I, I think what it was, was I think the goodbye itself was fine. I think it was the fact that it was just, he was just like poof gone. And that was it. It was just, I'd rather would have seen Marin go out in a big, more bombastic way instead of just phasing through some asphalt. And that's, I think where my, that's what I'm, I think my bigger issue is, is I rather would have seen him actually stop the plight instead of just them saying he did. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, again, we're still not even to the opening shield of the show yeah. at this point. Um, not to say that there's a lot that happens before the opening of the shield. There's just, you know, there, there's the battle. There's, you know, Supergirl and her, um, uh, you know, um, stopping rubble from happening. We see the return of um, uh, Emra coming back and Brainy, uh, the Legion returning to this time and, and helping out, which just seemingly seems to come out of nowhere. But I, I'm not arguing about it. It's it was cool to see them back. But we didn't really see 
one of the other things I'm just now realizing is we saw Emra come back. We saw Emra help in the opening of everything. We see that moment between her and Monel talking, kind of I guess making peace with what's happened and stuff, and saying you know, hey, we were we were hell of a partners. You know, we were a hell of a partner team at that point. What there's nothing explained about her. I guess we're just left to assume she's returning to the future with Monel. Yeah, and it was, it was. There was a lot of oddities there. <laughs> there was a qu- couple, couple issues I had with the with the Legion stuff that happened in this. Like you, you're right, Emmer does just show up and is like, oh, you know what, uh, you know the transponder, you know, it was like, and then car, uh, you know, it was we got the message, so we came back. But then it was just kind of like, well, no, that's not true because the tr- transponder was broken. Car even brings it up. It's like, oh, maybe there was a failsafe built into it. And it felt like there was supposed to be another part of that conversation that was supposed to happen somewhere in the episode. And, you know, we do get the whole thing about Brainiac kind of saying, you know, well, sorry, Brain- uh, Brainiac 5. Let's yeah. be specific here because Brainiac's going to come into this in a second. Um, so when they do bring up the fact that Pestilence has been destroyed, that somebody else was around. And he mentions he's like a ancestor of mine who he shares a namesake with. Uh, did something to try to help destroy all AI in the future. Uh, that obviously being Brainiac without them saying Brainiac. Um, so we, they do bring that up, but like, you know, Brainiac 5 was really open about this, and it feels like, hey, look, you know, uh, for no reason, Saturn Girl is making this kind of like, oh, I have to keep this massive thing a secret where Brainy just kind of is like, yeah, this is what's going down. It, it, it involves Monel and, you know, Win. So it kind of didn't make a lot of sense for the weird random secrecy on all this. The other part I got to bring up, which drived me up the wall. So there's a great moment in near our big fight at the end where we see Kara and Rain squaring off. And there is a moment where kind of everything is kind of going just tits up for everybody. But we see a shot happen where the Legion ship gets hit. Yes. And it goes crashing and you see an explosion. Like the ship has exploded. Nope. Ship's perfectly fine. What was the purpose of that scene at all? I was so confused. And I'm like, what was the weird thing they did this hit? Oh, wait, that was the Legion ship. There was that dome. Okay, that ship apparently just exploded with somebody on it. Because I would assume somebody had to have been on it to fly it. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, well, I, do we see the ship again after that moment? Yeah, because wind's flying it at the end. Oh, that's right. And it, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what is going on? I'm t- it's it's that line from Zoolander. It's just I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. That's exactly what this episode did to me in random moments where I'm like, what what were you just trying to achieve there? I'm not quite sure. Um, and again, doesn't mean that I don't think it deserved the legend. Uh, it's just again, there there are some nitpicks I can't look the other way on. And that was that was a big one. Uh, that was just confusing. And it made me have to watch the scene again. And I'm like, was that what I just thought it was? Yep. Yep, that was very much the Legion ship just blowing up. Yeah. How is that still there? Yeah, so I, I don't know, and that's that's a good point too. Like I do, I do remember the ship going down, and then I kind of totally forgot about it. And then I know we see it again at the end, as you had mentioned with with Win and Monel, but we don't see Emra in the scene anywhere, so we don't even know if she's on the ship. Uh, maybe she perished in the ship going down, and it was no, just she never was, mentioned. She was outside of the ship when it got hit. So, do we know um, that for sure? Yeah, you see her. Uh, in the in the you know she's flying at the time when it's hit, so. Oh, I thought she was standing next to Brainy. No, no, no. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure Brainy was in that same scene with her when she says, "I can't control the force field," and then the next scene is seeing the ship go down. 
Uh, she was controlling the force field, but she was from outside the ship. Okay. All right. So. Okay. No, I, again, there was a lot of stuff. It, there was a lot of stuff to take in. in this. Like I said, now. it was, it, it was a sequence. Like I said, I had to watch a second time because I'm like, I'm confused. <laughs> so now there's another character in this, um, that happened around that same time too, that, well, actually before that happened, uh, we find out that Colville's not dead. Yeah. And which was I still don't random. Think, <laughs> and I still don't know if we know. If he's dead. Oh, you know what? Uh, well, we know where we know where he was. He was inside. He was um, in, in, in John's ship. Yes. But it seemed like and it seemed like what they read. They kind of iterated without saying it specifically. He was he made the ship. to the ship to send a beacon and died there. OK, that's what it sounded like. Uh, they didn't out, outright come out and say it. But that's I think what they kind of make you you know, believe as far as what went down. So it just confuses me a little bit that, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, Monel and, um, you know, Sam and all these people can get hit with eye blasts and die. And Colville does. And he has enough life to con- crawl into a ship and set off a, uh, although they were different because one of them, those ones came from rain. So I guess they're a little more powerful. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess we got that stuff out of the way. Um, I guess there's a small part we got to talk about before we get into the big stuff near the end, which is during that whole destruction of the city thing where everybody's chipping in to save everyone. We do see um, James actually remove his mask when he's saving somebody, uh, making that call that he's pretty much doesn't care about being public, which we do see play out very later in the end of the episode. Yes. Uh, and we ha- we now have James Olsen. Uh, making a statement to everybody that, yes, indeed, he is actually the Guardian. So, in, a, in a very Tony Stark-esque kind of way, by the way. Yeah, it's kind of like, hey, do you have a statement? And he's like, yes, uh, I'm the Guardian. I am, I am the Guardian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, but no, I. you know what? I, I fully support this decision. I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is going off a little bit as to the backstory of Guardian, because I think Guardian, as far as I know, Guardian's identity, as readers, we know who it is. But... I don't think it's ever been revealed to the public in the comics as to who Guardian is. But also in the comics, we don't really see Guardian too often outside of um, – why can't I think of the name? Uh, Stars, Star Labs. Uh, yeah, outside of Star Labs. So we we really – no, it's not Star Labs. Uh, Cadmus. Uh, Cadmus, Sorry. yeah. Um, we don't really see Guardian too often outside of Cadmus. So there's not really a reason to to jump into who the identity is. But this is going to be a very interesting way to see how they do this. Because this is actually one of the first times in a while we've had James connected to Catco. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen him inside and within Catco for a little bit. Catco really took a back seat this season in general. And I'm, I know we'll get into that, I'm sure, a lot more when we did the annual. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, this was one of the first times. And one of the things, too, we also get a nice nod. We see a quick shot of uh, Superman on TV where we hear that he was uh, – I, f- I forget where he was at. I think he was saving Morocco, I believe, at the time uh, was, I think, what they stated. Because he, he actually looks at the TV and he's like, go get him, Clark. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, again, the, the, the writers def- definitely realizing that they absolutely need to address the situation that they kind of wrote themselves in the corner by having Superman in the show. Uh, if there, yeah. Anytime anything dramatic happens, they're like, crap, we got to bring it up, even if it's a throwaway line. But. Yeah, well, not only that, but I mean, it's it's not just the fact that you have to bring up Superman. It's the fact that you you've created a storyline that has not just that has 
impact outside of this city. Like this is a worldwide impact. You're only showing what's happening within your own city, but this is something that is happening all over the world. So to not address that this is going on somewhere else or that people are helping elsewhere is kind of a big story gap. Uh, you know, it's kind of a big uh, hole that you've left open. So yeah, so to throw that line in, like to go get him Clark and to get that mention that Superman is where he is, he's doing his part somewhere else. That That's kind of how you get around that. And you've now filled yeah, in that yeah. hole. Yeah, I, it's one of those ones. It was important for them to do it. But at the same time, it's like, hey, there's horrible, evil Kryptonians trying to destroy National City. Uh, Clark, you may want to be involved in this one. <laughs> so yeah, um, <laughs> yeah exactly. He's across the, you know, he he's on the other side of the world, you know, making sure it doesn't fall apart as well, which sure it's just kind of like, you know, it's every season. This is the finale moment where they have to make sure they address it because I think they've had to do so. I think every season so far. So, yeah. And it's it's so weird, too, because, I mean, with the exception of, I think, Arrow, for the most part, these other stories and Black Lightning, uh, Black Lightning was more. But uh, more just Arrowverse shows. I think with the exception of Arrow, these other shows always have finales that affect the world. Mm-hmm. And we only see like Central City or Star City or, you know, the Wave Rider. Arrow is the one that actually, believe it or not, even though even when the seasons are bad, is the one that can kind of dial it in and make it just about where they are. Yeah, which, uh, you know, I think it, they still did a good job here. I know it definitely sounds like I, I'm Oh, no, I, yeah, and I'm not complaining schedule, at all. I, like I said, just by adding that one line, you filled in a majority of that hole. Yes, you did. And that's sometimes all you need. And like I said, it was the obligatory moment that they had to do, had to do. Um, but like I said, it was nice. At least they, they re- reminded us that that had to happen because it's true. I almost completely forgot about it and forgot to question it because so much was happening. Um, but like I said, I'm really happy that they at least brought that up. Um, so. uh I guess we really need to talk about a little bit more about what we mentioned with uh, Brainiac 5 and what was going on with him before we get into the back part of this uh, finale here. Uh, That being, as he mentioned, that AI is basically is no longer able to survive in the future because of the the altered, you know, the altered timeline. And because of this, Wynn has been offered a role working for the Legion. And he finds out that even though he was kind of going through a crisis, uh, crisis of conscience, uh, as far as his tech, uh, Brainy actually brings back something from the archives, uh, which is that little drawing we we sh- uh, we saw him jot down on uh, the piece of paper when he was showing Demos a couple weeks ago. Uh, that was uh, the idea for the belt buckle, and Brainy basically says, "Hey, this is the backbone for a ton of tech in the future. Uh, you're kind of like a legend in the future." So uh, he's just kind of like, "I can't go back because I can't survive there anymore." Uh, setting up why Jesse Rath is going to be a large part of uh, season four, which is pretty cool. I thought this was a cool take on this and a good reason for the fact that Jeremy Jordan is not going to be coming back as a series regular next year. This is a really good way to write this character into a new place. And uh, I think it worked. I think it really worked. Yeah, I mean, and it, it kind of ties in a little bit to something that we got because we did know that uh, Jeremy Jordan is only going to be a part time player. He's not going to be a, a season regular next time. So we are going to see him um, throughout the course of next season. We don't know how sporadically, how little or how much, uh, but we do know at the same time. And this is something that's going to come up in the news as well. Uh, Chris Wood is leaving the show. He's not going to be a season regular or a part time player. I think he's he's completely done 
Uh, not com- not completely, completely. They did, did say if there's reason to bring Monel back, and even Chris Wood said there, they said he will absolutely happily return. Uh, he loves doing the show. Uh, it was they, um, the executive producers basically did state that they only all, ever had Chris for two years. Yeah, that was his contract, and his contract is now done and expired. Uh, letting him to go off and do other things, you know. Well, not only that, but I think they had said that they, because of that contract, they really only had a two season story for him as well. Right. And that's kind of what it is. And they said if there's a reason to use him in the future and he is available, they said they'll absolutely make it happen because they love having him as as a part of that show. So, yeah, exactly. But I mean, we do see at the end that, you know, Kara is kind of made an honorary member of the Legion by Monel giving her a Legion ring. So I think in that one move, they've kind of set up the way how we're going to get win as part of season four, because she now has, I think, a means to communicate or to visit Win. Right. And I, I, it was nice to see her get that Legion ring, too, because it's something that we've already always seen part of her in the comics where she's always had she's had a Legion ring for quite some time because she did spend time in the future and was a member of the Legion of Superheroes, uh, same way that Superboy was, in, in you know, certain comic book history. So it was cool to see them bring that up, address that and, and make her an official legionnaire. So I thought that was kind of neat. And I wouldn't be surprised if through this with wind going to the future and Monel going to the future and, you know, brainy staying behind Kara uh, now having the, the Legion ring, I wouldn't be surprised if we still partially see it play out to your prediction of seeing some of season four actually take place in the future. Which would be cool. I would love to see even if the storyline is, hey, we're going to cut away to some stuff and maybe show some new Legionnaires um, without, you know, without Monel, uh, and say, hey, you know, this is what's going on in the future. Because they did say, you know, there are some big stories that they are going to be tackling with uh, with Win next year. And it's just it, it adds a new wrinkle to what and why. And if they hey, say, hey, you know, here's a storyline unrelated to what's happening on Earth, and maybe it's an episode or two here or there that this takes place in the future, yeah, do it up. I would love to see it. I would really love to see it. You know, we've seen crossovers of, crossovers of Supergirl with The Flash and, you know, and crossing over into different Earths. With where Legends is going next season and them already being time travelers and now this whole unraveling of – you know, different dimensions and things that's going to be happening. Again, something we'll talk about later in the news. But, you know, with what they're going to be doing with Legends, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe potentially how cool would it be to see a Supergirl Legends crossover for two episodes? Yeah, that would be pretty neat if there was a way for them to play with that. But it's uh, I think it's a big wait and see if they're going to mess around with that at all in Legends. It yeah. depends on what Legends episode count, I think, again, is going to be this year. Because um, we know that show costs a ton of money to make, which is why there are not usually 23 episodes of that show. So, uh, But hopefully, again, we'll, we'll see them come back for 18 again this year. Yeah, it would be kind of cool. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm very curious now to see where they're going to go with next season because there is bef- – just a hint, uh, it'll probably be the final thing we talk about as far as Supergirl goes. There is a big setup for a huge Superman storyline set up for season four. Yeah, well, we might as well just get into all that now because there's really not much left to talk about in this episode. You know, let's well, get I mean, a- there's uh, the only things left. I think we can just kind of throw out there real quick. Yeah, we, we've got a little bit of a, a lead in for next season in that when the Black Kryptonite is given back to Alora, another character we say goodbye to so four or six characters uh in total and at least we got some kind of conclusion with that we know she's going back um 
we find out that Lena has still kept part of that. Not only does she still have part of that black kryptonite, but she also has the recipe to make more. Right. So because she gives it to Alora before she leaves to save their planet. Now, does this necessarily mean she's kept this for nefarious reasons or is this just as is this just scientific curiosity? But what makes me lead which makes me really curious is the fact that the person she spoke to on the phone at the end of the episode was Miss Tessmacher. Mm-hmm. We're potentially getting a Tessmacher Luther team up, which is yeah. very right out of Superman setting up a Luther as a villain. Yeah, it very much feels like we're we're about to head into Katie McGrath villain territory, which I'm kind of excited about because, man, she was an amazing villain on the BBC Merlin show. Uh, she was a phenomenal big bad. So I'm really looking forward to seeing her start maybe moving into that mold. It's been great to see her as kind of the good character, but she's got that gravitas to pull off a villain in a crazy way that most people that aren't familiar with Merlin may not know about her. But when you see her in that show and show how much she can do as an actress, uh, all I can say is be excited if that's where they're going to go with her character. This this season has shown so much. This she, this this season has done so well at showing that she is so much more than just getting eaten by a dinosaur. Very much so. <laughs> Jurassic World reference. Uh, uh, but yeah, other than ahead. that, we you know we get obviously we've already talked about James you know revealing the statement. We've got Samantha is now free and clear. She's completely human. So her and Ruby are on the way. Uh, we've seen. Alex promoted to the new director of the DEO, which is in which made the decision for John to leave and walk amongst the people. Um, and I think there was one other thing that was we were going to I was going to bring up and now I can't remember it. Well, one of the things we have to kind of bring up that kind of goes into the end of rain is very much the sequence where, you know, you know, Kara uses the black kryptonite real quick to kind of take down rain. Um, and they kind of throw her back into the pit is when she goes bananas berserk and kills Monel, Ruby and Elora, uh, uh, which Kara is like, crap, you know, this is not the way they're supposed to do this. This is against the way that I do things, which is that ends justify the means. It's like, no, there's always a better way. Um, and then we see her go use that rock and basically kind of takes time backwards, which I don't know if I was wrong about this. Did they really explain how that happened? I don't think it was the rock that did it. I think it was the Legion ring um, because she doesn't actually take the rock with her. Um, she tells. Oh, that's right. It was the wormhole that she used. It, it's the wormhole that she uses. She uses the Legion. She takes the Legion ring off of Monel so that she can breathe in space. And then she uses the wormhole that she has wind find her a wormhole so that she can go back to correct this. Right. There was a part of me that was kind of like, man, it would just be cool if she just put on the Legion ring to like to breathe in space and just pull a Superman one, the movie, and just fly so fast to and change. The- yeah. yeah. What, I, I thought that's exactly what they were going to do. I'm like, oh, they're going to do it. Do it. And I'm like, oh, that's not what I expected. That's disappointing. <laughs> so no, but, but not know, in a bad way. It's still not in a bad way. Yeah. It still worked. Uh, but it was one of those things that's like, huh. Okay, well, that's that 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 sound based on sci-fi logic. Sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it still totally worked. Um, but like I said, you know, they they make the situation where they basically, you know, go back into that kind of uh, that 
dark Kryptonian realm with, uh, you know, with her joining up with Sam inside there to to put a stop to everything uh, by having her drink from the fountain that would cause death, uh, essentially just wiping out rain. So it was a very um, uh, it was an OK ending to the rain storyline. I think it worked fine um, just because I think we you and me both enjoyed Sam and Ruby as characters this season. They were good character components, but I was kind of hoping for what we kind of got nor- normally right around that mid-season finale where we got that huge, bombastic, huge fight sequence. So I was kind of bummed that we didn't get that for you. But, uh, but you know, it still definitely worked. Everything was fine with it, but it was uh, left a little bit to be desired on how neatly it was wrapped up with kind of no real consequences. And so. I still got, and my prediction of seeing Sam versus Rain still technically came true. Yeah, it did, just uh, in a different way. So. Yeah, not, as you said, not nearly as, like, bombastic or... You know, and such as it would have been, but it did set up something. It did for um, season four. Yeah. So the last piece of the puzzle, um, we end the episode where we see everybody leave. You know, Wynn has his nice goodbye. Is flying the Legion ship. Uh, you know, we see uh, Brainy now with the terminal working at the DEO. John putting on the fedora, walking out into the streets, um, and then all of a sudden we cut back to forty-eight hours beforehand, and we see. That shot again of Kara holding the black kryptonite. And then we immediately jumped to um, Russia, which was I'm like, OK, what are they doing here? And we <laughs> we, we see very clearly somebody that was just like Kara uh, wrapped basically in a blanket, walking up to a facility. And ladies and gentlemen, full on confirmation from all news sources next season, Red Sun and, or in this case, Red Daughter. So. Uh, very, very excited to see where this is going to go. Yeah, I, I really can't wait. I don't know. Um, I really hope what, I, like, don't get me wrong. I want to see this happen. I think there's a lot of huge potential for what they can do. Because we've talked about this very, very early on in when this show first premiered. Is that it's okay to go into the Superman storylines and adapt it to Kara because we don't have a Superman show. But my my fear... My only fear with this is that I don't want it to fall victim to what people have complained about when it comes to the Flash. Is that like every year it's a it's a speedster villain, and then the one year that we didn't get a speedster villain, people were kind of unhappy. And we'll talk about that when we get into the annuals. But I don't want people to start criticizing this show for being oh, it's just going to be like another Kryptonite villain. Or another Kryptonian villain, um, mm. you know, especially because now this is something I kind of thought about when after seeing the end of this show, what ever happened to Bizarro Kara? Well, we do see her as she breaks down initially back in season one. So she just was no longer stable and kind of this fell apart. But, uh, but she's taken they at the end of that episode. It said that the DEO would monitor her to see if she ever comes around. That's the last we ever hear of her. So that character, in essence, is technically still out there. Somewhere. Possibly. Uh, I do think, and we'll definitely break this down a lot more in the annual, but my guess, in all honesty, is I think we're going to see a mixture of two storylines here. Um, I think we're going to see Red Sun, but we're also going to see them not make her just kind of like the the red sun version of Superman as a, for Supergirl. Uh, I think they're going to make this power girl. I think that's how they're going to kind of 
blend the two ideas together. We're basically where Power Girl was from Earth 2. Uh, this, I think here, what they're going to do is this clone is going to be become Power Girl. Um, and I think that works. I think that's the right move. I think that uh, that's my, my personal hope. My only concern, and I'm a little worried about this because I think they did a great last year where they did the whole xenophobia alien thing. Uh, with doing this Russian angle, I really hope that they don't shove this whole Russia stuff with the political messaging into this too heavily yeah. because I, I it could easily be done to the nth degree where we got them doing that a little bit this year where it was very heavy handed. That's potential set up for some other really heavy handed real world politics running into the show. And I hope they're very cautious about that. That's my my uh, that's my that's my only disclaimer until we get into the annual. Then we'll talk about that. I'm sure more. So, yeah, but it's it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with it. I think I like the Power Girl route, but when that story ends, what do you do with Power Girl? Do you just kind of send her away and like, okay, we know she's out there, but we just don't have to see her. I that's when I say, hey, you send her to another Earth that needs help. Uh, send her to Earth Two, and that's how you pull it together. But kind of like how Jesse left and yeah, in the Flash and went to there's, another there's, Earth to help. Yeah, maybe you, you just send her to Earth Two, which would be awesome. That would be perfect because that's where Power Girl's from. So maybe the clones created. Uh, we do the Redstone storyline. They turn her around to becoming a force for good. She becomes Power Girl by the end. Off to Earth Two. That'd be kind of cool because people have been clamoring for Power Girl for a while anyway. Yep, I've been one of them. So if this is how they do it, uh, I'm all all aboard this crazy train. So, cool. so nothing really left to talk about as far as future episodes because what we know we've already talked about. Yeah, I feel like I don't even need to do an annual anymore. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I think we we still have to do it. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, but yeah, so that wraps it up for season three of Supergirl. And um, all in all, I wasn't disappointed with the season at all. No, I would say right now uh, that was probably my favorite season of Supergirl. So yeah, uh, yeah. Which you know, by this point in time, Arrow was in a slump, and um, Flash. No, Flash. I think was still doing pretty good. Flash was mm. the sav- that was Savitar season. So maybe. Yeah. Kind of yeah, yeah. Usually the junior year for all the shows is the one that suffers the worst. Uh, well, actually, no, not season three. Season four for most shows is this season that suffers the worst for most shows. Oh, and that uh, was definitely for Arrow. Yeah, and The Flash, and we'll definitely talk about that in the annual, too. So, yes. Um, but yeah, so hopefully Supergirl can uh, get around the season four curse. So, hey man, we'll see. if what they set up at the end of this season is going to happen and they do it right, yeah, that's, I think there's a good chance. Yep. Uh, so, so, we'll see. All right, let's talk about the news. All right, so quite a bit to go over. Some of the stuff we've already discussed. Uh, so we'll just try to skip through some of those stories. Those are more on the front of Supergirl. But uh, let's jump into a little bit more detail about something that you and me are both incredibly excited about. And I know a couple of our listeners and subscribers on Facebook are as well at facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And that is about DC Universe, the streaming app. Uh, and there is a story that came out this past week from somebody that works inside DC Comics. Uh, source still remains quiet on who it is, obviously, because I know and more than likely they will uh, they will get in a bit of trouble. But it sounds like um, this is what it sounds like for somebody that works at DC Comics. Sorry, DC Entertainment. We're about to launch, I think, in late August, our DC digital platform, which will be a hub for all things DC. Oh, I'm sorry. There is a name to it. Uh, Danny Snow. 
Um, she is a community manager that works over at Warner Brothers. Uh, she said uh, there will be, a, you know, it sounds like, you know, again, late August for our digital platform, which will, will be a hub for all things DC. There will be a digital digital movies, TV shows that you can watch uh, and stream. And initially, we're going to have a lot of comics on there. Uh, so this is kind of exciting. So I'm wondering if this is going to be a way to maybe just check out back issues or some big stories, if they're going to do motion comics, things like that. So, uh, or if you're just going to be able to read, um, via things like, uh, your, your readers or, uh, even additionally more to that. So, or if this maybe even links up to pre-existing things like comiXology. So I'm very curious to see how this is going to break down, but this is kind of exciting. So not just these TV shows, we expected there was going to be older, you know, TV and animated and film, um, but this sounds like comics are the third pillar of this, which is really exciting. So uh, I don't know what your take is on that, but man, that's uh, that sounds like an instant buy-in. It's kind of it's kind of cool because I'm wondering if what they're going to do with it is I don't know if you're familiar with them, but when Buffy the Vampire Slayer ended and they went into comics, there was actually a they they considered part of it like a ninth season of the show, and they were actually animated comics. Uh, yeah, you know where they were still pixelized, just like you know just like a normal comic would, but they played out in like a 20 minute time span where they just kind of moved and there were some sound effects and stuff like that. So I wonder if they're going to, they're going to do something like that with this. Yeah. So very possible. So uh, I'm really curious to see what, what the game plan is here. Uh, but you know, uh, San Diego comic con is like two and a half weeks away. So yeah. uh, we're definitely going to be hearing the specifics uh, then. So don't stress if you can't wait, trust me, I have a feeling the wait's going to be worth it. Um, you know, we'll get into that in a few minutes because there's a lot more to talk about at uh, San Diego Comic Con uh, in this. But uh, continuing with some DC streaming stuff, um, there is a character near and dear to most people's hearts that know the Doom Patrol, and that is Dr. Niles Calder, uh, a.k.a. the Chief. Uh, it sounds like uh, something very unexpected, but um, there is a very special, special, special actor that is being eyed to take this role over for the DC uh, streaming app TV show that's going to be spinning out of Titans. And that is none other than Dr. Fraser Crane himself, Mr. Kelsey Grammer, which uh, my, I don't know if you saw it, but my joke is like, so Dr. Crane in the DC universe, where have I heard that before? Yeah, I, I did see that. <laughs> I did see that posted. Uh, so that's, a, I think that would be great, great cast, great casting. I think he would be a perfect fit for that show. And, um, and for the Doom Patrol. So I would and, love and to see would, that happen. And it would be he'd be yet another actor added to the list of someone who has worked in with both DC and Marvel. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, he's in the X-Men movies. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, I would love to see that happen. So um, one of the other things, too, a little bit more about Swamp Thing. It sounds like James Wan and Darren uh, Serafine uh, are going to be definitely directing the pilot episode for uh, the TV show. Uh, so really excited, especially with James Wan uh, coming off hot off the heels of uh, Aquaman. So this is uh, perfect because uh, considering he also kind of, I think, did some help with um, with with producing this and a little bit of uh, some writing credits on this as well. So this is uh, this is a really good take, not to mention Darren. Uh, Darren Serafin is uh, somebody that is also credited as a writer on things like uh, House, uh, Fringe and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So this is a perfect mixture of people uh, set to work on this project. So I'm really excited for when Swamp Thing kicks off its production in a couple months. So uh, this is a perfect blend. Uh, but we did mention just a few minutes ago about San Diego Comic-Con. So a couple things have been announced as far as how things are going to break down uh, quite a bit here. Uh, but we know specifically not too much on the movie front, but uh, more specifically exactly on 
if I can get this ad out of my face. There we go. I can actually <laughs> read the article again. Uh, so how this is going to break down, but it sounds like in preview night, they're doing something a little bit different. But preview night, uh, they are indeed doing uh, Young Justice Outsiders. First episode sounds like it will be airing uh, for people showing up at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, that's going to be happening at 10 a.m. in room 6DE. Uh, and that sounds like that is Wednesday, July 18th. Uh, it also has been confirmed that season two of Freedom Fighters The Ray from uh, CW Seed is also uh, just been announced and will be making a debut as well at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, as well on uh, the same day, also room 6DE at 1230, uh, Lauren Faust, creator of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, will be showing off DC superhero girls, um, followed up by a big presentation about Castle Rock for on Hulu. Uh, obviously, if you know that work from Stephen King, so uh, pretty cool. Uh, jumping ahead a couple days onto Saturday, July 21st, uh, Room 6DE at 10 a.m. Uh, they will be kidding. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, 11 a.m. They will be kicking off uh, Black Lightning where they will be talking a little bit more in full as far as what's going on. It sounds like following that up will be Sci-Fi's Krypton. So it sounds like that'll be at Saturday. Uh, and then uh, we're going to be jumping a little bit later Saturday afternoon, 3.30 p.m. at Ballroom 20. Uh, they will be kicking off the Arrowverse, starting off with Supergirl, followed by Arrow at 4.15, uh, Legends of Tomorrow at 5 p.m., and then The Flash at 5.45 p.m. So, um you know, but that Saturday sounds like it will be quite a busy day in Ballroom 20. Um, and then, uh, you know, last but not least, not a DC show, but comic book adjacent uh, Riverdale will finish up in Hall H uh, on uh, that on Sunday, July 23rd. So uh, but we do know uh, as well some other things happening at San Diego Comic Con. It has been all but confirmed at this point in time. Actually, I think it was confirmed as of this morning. Uh, we will indeed be seeing a little bit of uh, Wonder Woman, uh, Wonder Woman uh, 1984 at San Diego Comic Con. We will also be seeing the full trailer for Aquaman and Shazam. And it sounds like we could even hear a little bit more about the Flash it sounds like there is a high chance that we're going to get uh, the announcement of uh, The Flash. And it sounds like that is going to be hitting theaters in 2020. And also rumblings that we might be hearing about Man of Steel 2 as well. So uh, it sounds like to expect a lot from Warner Brothers and uh, DC. And it sounds like this is the full on real film slate, not like... This is in development. We're not sure if this is going one way, shape, or form. This is, it sounds like, from what everything everyone's saying behind closed doors, this is indeed where things are going, and this is them redirecting after the mistakes that were made from the past and where they're planning on going. And everybody says, from what it sounds like, Aquaman and Wonder Woman are the things that are the tonal pieces of where everything was headed. Uh, very similar to what me and Ben have been talking about for months, um, that Aquaman is really the kickoff of things where Wonder Woman just got it right. Uh, Aquaman is them taking taking all those lessons learned and going from there. So yeah, it, it, and and I'm really excited. I I am after seeing what they did with with Wonder Woman as a standalone film, and now you know Aquaman is pretty much going to be a standalone film. I'm really I'm and just seeing some of the gorgeous pictures we have seen come from this movie, I it's very rare you hear me say this, but I am looking forward to another DC film. Uh, in terms of Aquaman, and I know well, not even that, but I'm looking forward to an Aquaman feature film. That is a weird statement to say out loud. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
So, yeah, I think a lot of us are just ready and excited for San Diego Comic-Con. I'm still Uh, not completely um, – my confidence in DCEU has still not been completely restored because there's still constant rumors of all this different stuff that could happen, most in particular with the Batman stuff. uh, We got a little bit of news about that, and we can talk about that real fast before we head into the TV-verse. There was a story – I don't have it up in front of me, unfortunately, because it was a little tricky to remember where I read it. Uh, but it was a story that broke, I think, on Wednesday, and it did sound like that uh, that that other film uh, that they're doing of the Joker, not the Jared Leto Joker, but the uh, the the Scorsese produced version that we're, we're uh, you know eagerly awaiting that has not been really even officially announced. Um, but it sounds like the one since that is taking place in the 80s, uh, it sounds like this Batman movie that Matt Reeves is doing. Is also going to be taking place in the same timeline. Uh, so the Batman movie could be set in the 90s, uh, where the Joker's already existed for a few years. So it just may be a little bit quieter, but it sounds like the Matt Reeves movie is indeed a standalone film, is indeed um, a, a, a fresh start, um, and could easily tie into the DCEU at a later point. So they said if everybody really enjoys this way, Basically, more than likely, as you know, it's not writing off Ben Affleck, and this is, I think, the right way to do it. If this works impre- incredibly well, whoever they cast as Batman is their Batman that they choose. They can they can now roll with that, uh, or if it doesn't work and Ben wants to stay on, they still have the ability to work with them. So I think this might be the right move. This 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 is kind of appeasing all sides. So that's a big wait and see, though. So I think we got to take that with a grain of salt at the moment. Yeah. We'll know more about that, I, w- I would assume, probably within the next six months. Uh, if I have to put money on it, I would say we're probably not going to know the specifics until San Diego Comic-Con at the earliest, but I would say six months at the, uh, at the latest. So, gotcha. um, All right, so we're jumping into some fall premiere dates. Uh, we've got a weird, weird, weird premiere schedule. Uh, starting October 9th, uh, The Flash kicks off Season 5 at on Tuesday at 8 p.m., Followed up by Black Lightning at 9 p.m. for Season 2. Wednesday the 10th, uh, we are jumping into Riverdale and uh, the All-American, a new series premiere. Uh, Thursday, October 11th, Supernatural followed up by All-American as premiere Encore, which is kind of weird. But uh, but hey, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Friday, October 12th, uh, 8 p.m., we have Dynasty followed up at 9 p.m. by Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the final season premiere for that. Uh, October 14th, uh, so jumping ahead a week, this is now Sunday, uh, 8 p.m., Supergirl, and then Charmed at 9 p.m., series premiere for Charmed, and series 4 premiere for Supergirl. Monday, October 15th, uh, Arrow will debut at 8 p.m. They do not mention on if that Tuesday will be episode 2 of The Flash to Black Lightning. More than likely, it definitely will be, Uh, but um, like I said, it's not in... On the breakdown of this, they do some day jumping here. Thursday, October 18th, uh, Supergirl, or sorry, not Supergirl, uh, Supernatural. This says new episode, so um, which is interesting because they do bring up the fact that Supergirl's season premiere for season 14. Holy shit, that's <laughs> that's excessive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Supernatural season 14 premieres on the 11th. But they don't mention anything on about that Tuesday being more Flash or Black Lightning. So this is kind of like a weird rolling of premieres. And then we don't see the kickoff of Legends of Tomorrow until Monday, October 22nd, following a brand new episode of Arrow. So very curious to see if there's a lot of weird gaps in there on how that plays out. There's not a lot of mentions if 
you know, that gap between, you know, that October 14th date for Supergirl and that October 21st date, if Supergirl is going to have a second episode or not, are they waiting until the very end of the month to really roll out the seasons in full and they're doing a slow rollout? Uh, regardless, it's kind of bizarre the way that they, they structured this. Obviously, we're starting Flash and Black Lightning. Then we've got to wait a f- almost a full week for Supergirl. And then that week, we're also getting Arrow. Then another full week before even Legends comes into play. So this is a little kind of bizarre and dicey. But hey, CW, I'm sure, is just kind of getting their 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 feet wet with their new Sunday lineup. And they have a lot of new shows starting this season as well. So I'm sure that's a big part of this to make sure that those new shows get chances to shine. They're actually doing a lot of encore nights for a lot of their new series premieres filtered in. So I would not be surprised if you might see some of those shows repeat. Um, so it's a wait and see. So. And you know what? I kind of like um I kind of like the the whole encores of premieres. Uh, because I mean not everybody watches them when they premiere and sometimes you you kind of get that feedback of like, "Hey, did you catch this?" No. Well, guess what? Now you now you can. Yeah. So, um but it's a question of does it impact ratings or are ratings even necessary at this point? So, it's yeah. a big wait and see. Um, but let's talk a little bit about some of the things going on in the shows. Let's kick off with some Black Lightning news. Uh, it sounds like we have a new fresh face joining the show with a character by the name of it's a scientist named Dr. Jace. Uh, it sounds like um, he is going to be the new principal at Garfield High, but also somebody working with uh, with. Uh, oh, my God. I Jefferson? lost it. Uh, no, not Jefferson. Um, more specifically, it Tobias? sounds like. Tobias, he's going to be working alongside Tobias Whale. So, um, but there's also two other characters listed in here as well. Looks like a new love interest uh, for Nefessa, and also uh, and a new principal for Garfield High as well. So, which is kind of weird because you know, there's another character that's listed as a uh, a new principal. Maybe that is the uh, vice principal that's coming into play here. Um, so, two new characters added into the mix here. So. Uh, we don't know too, too much about them yet, but it's a big wait and see. I'm sure we'll find out quite a bit more coming up soon. But they did say Vice Principal Cara Fowdy is going to be gone. She will not be a part of this uh, since she was working with Proctor and with Pro- Proctor now dead. It sounds like her kind of disappearing off the end. Um, and, and it sounds like based off of all this, and there has been like, there is in this story a little bit saying that uh, Black Lightning now recognizes the hero is going to leave his role as principal of Garfield High to focus more on protecting Freeland. So uh, it's so it is a new principal, new vice principal stepping into play. So uh, jumping into season four, uh, as we mentioned real quick for Supergirl, obviously the, the confirmation of Red Sun uh, and it is them kind of taking that Red Sun idea and kind of playing with it and going from there. So as we mentioned, uh, our, our take on that already, as we were wrapping up the season finale discussion, uh, same thing as we mentioned before, Chris would not returning for season four. Uh, they did say uh, the plan was for Chris to always uh, uh, was always to have him on the show for two years. Uh, we loved telling Monel's story as well as the story we've told for him and Kara. We hope that fans felt that it was a satisfying conclusion. Uh, they, you know, they both have destinies in different times as heroes. What they did uh, was the sort of Casablanca decision of putting what's most important to them, which is saving the world first. It's a little bittersweet, but one destiny is to be a hero in this time, and the other's destiny is to uh, run the Legion in another time. But I think they grew a lot from knowing one another, and they have respect for one another. They have the respect for the decisions, and respectively made the decisions that they needed to make. Uh, they did go on to say that we love working with Chris, so we'll definitely have Monel back someday if the story takes us there, and if Chris is available. So... 
All right, jumping over to the bevy of news about Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, we now know the official name for the threat of Season 4, and that is The Fugitives. Uh, and that is obviously the, the name for those little critters that are running around the magical uh, creatures between the myths and the fairy tales that the legends will have to put an end to. Uh, so this is officially the name that is given to them by Constantine. So uh, not too much else about that. It's just kind of exactly what they're working towards, but uh, the official synopsis and description purely based for San Diego Comic-Con, is after defeating Malice by cuddling him to death with the giant stuffed animal named Bebo, the legends were ready to ease off the gas. That was until Constantine arrived to inform them that in solving one major problem, they have created another much larger one. When the legends uh, let time crumble in order to release and defeat Malice, the barrier between the world's softened history is now infected with fugitives, magical creatures from myths, fairy tales, and legends. Having been expelled throughout uh, throughout time by people like Constantine, these fug uh, fugitives are now returning to our world in droves and making a, meal re uh, making a real mess of things. So when all the hell breaks loose, who are you going to call? That's right, the legends. Um, and then, <laughs> so... I mean, you know what? I, I'm excited for this because I'm a huge myth mythology person. Uh, mm -hmm. I love, you know, mythology. So I'm wondering what they're going to do with it, though. Yeah, I am as well. Like, are we good? Um, like, when they say mythology, like, are we going to see like a Pegasus or like a Phoenix, or are these just going to be kind of like creatures of their own creation? I kind of want to see a see a unicorn or a Pegasus yeah. and Mick Rory riding it. So, oh, oh my God, that would be fantastic. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's all I need in life right now. I didn't know I needed it until it just popped in my brain. I'm like, yep, that has to happen. So, uh, <laughs> but awesome. speaking of Legends of Tomorrow, we have a new cast member joining us. It's uh, all we know right now is this. Uh, the name is Ollie. Uh, she is a Asian character in her mid twenties and uh, who is searching deeply for her mission in life. Uh, Tease as a mega intellect and sharp as heck person, Ollie tends to be someone a little aloof and being too distracted by her own imagination as well as romantic impulses. She loves YA literature as well as fantasy novels. Hence her hunger and curiosity for adventures. Despite her disappointment with the slate uh, state of the world, Ollie continues to keep an optimistic head as much as possible when any. Situation Situation that she faces always also has a deep love for animals and she believes each animal has a purpose to fill on our planet uh they do use ollie in quotes which means it is a cover name uh we have no idea who this could be uh, i have not heard any real speculations for anything like that at this point in time so it's a big wait and see uh but also joining us this season is a male cast member and that is none other than hank haywood uh, aka uh, nate's father uh, we did this, get this for the casting information is, uh, he's somewhere in his mid sixties and he's loved by many. His son, Nate is not one of them. Uh, the relationship is a very mixed one as Hank is always on his son's back for not doing more with his life. Having served in the military, Hank is now working for the department of defense, uh, carrying a very Woody Harrelson -y charm. Hank takes traditional values very seriously, such as patriotism and sacrifice, but he isn't being a dick about his beliefs. And while Nate may have had his list of failures in life, Hank loves his son as much as a father possibly could. So, uh, that is our other major cast member, but, uh, also we have a promotion for another character that we saw quite a bit of last season, and that is none other than Courtney Ford, who is coming back full time as Nora Dark this season. I so that, that was this is great because I kind of said that I said that after her character left is what if she came back as one of the Wave Rider mm -hmm. passengers? 
So uh, very excited to see where that's going to go. We don't know if she's joining on the Wave Rider, but we just know she is going to be a series regular. Um, but also, let's jump a little bit into the uh, story with Arrows for this uh, Arrow this past week. Uh, there was two things. One of the things was Stephen Mel at a recent convention did say he told all of the writers this plan this season as if it are is our last. If you have any major ideas to use, now is the time to use them. Uh, so kind of an odd statement coming from him, um, wondering if he, there, they, there is some concern if this could be their, their final bow as a I, show. I have heard Steven say this before, not with me or I can't remember where in particular, but I, I do distinctly remember telling Steven or not telling Steven hearing Steven say that he really only intended or assumed Ara would go for five to six seasons before he himself might get tired of it and want to do something else. So I, I can kind of see this, him telling the writers this almost as the way of him backing this up. One, because the ratings weren't that great and the reviews weren't that great for this past season. So yeah, he's probably preparing enough in the future just in case season six is their, or season seven is their last. But I kind of also see it as in like, maybe he might be potentially getting tired of it and want to try something else. It's very possible. And one of the other things, too, is they did say that this season coming will be a defined season. Uh, once it's done with the storylines and the plots for this season are wrapped, it, the season is wrapped. Uh, there is not going to be a lot of heavy carryover into the next season. It sounds like this is going to be a very focused and laser focused season at that. So uh, but we did find out a little bit more. This is, again, uh, ahead of the uh, synopsis for San Diego Comic-Con's panel. Uh, there's been no shortage of close calls for Oliver Queen when it comes to protecting his superhero identity. But in the season six finale, he was finally backed into a corner and forced to reveal himself to the world as the Green Arrow. Now, Oliver will come face to face with many of the criminals he's placed behind bars as he makes a new home for himself at the Slabside Maximum Security Prison. Oliver will find himself vulnerable in a way unlike ever before with a mysterious new enemy begins to unravel his work as the Green Arrow, challenging him to redeem his name or risk losing everything. Uh, that is the official synopsis for the season coming. Let's, uh, let's not forget to the title of the show is called Arrow. Stephen Amell could leave this show and the show can still continue. Someone else could very easily take over the role of the Green of, of Arrow. Yeah, of the very Green possible. Arrow. So, you know, let's wait to see. Anything could happen. Yes. Anything can happen at all. So it's a big wait and see if what what's to come with this. I'm sure we'll know a lot more. If this was the final season, they probably would have made an announcement about this being their final season. Oh, I can guarantee you this is not the final season. Right. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to probably go to season eight and that will probably be the end of Arrow. I have a feeling um, it's a good round number to ra to wrap things up. And I think then you're going to start seeing shuffling of characters. And even uh, then you're still ahead of Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very when, when you went too far. And it's also very possible that they could say, hey, uh, there, there's no need for a new season of Arrow after this season or Flash uh, or Supergirl. Maybe it's time to do a Justice League show. So who knows? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, Got me so, for a minute. Hey, I think that's all what we all want at this point. Uh, but that wraps it up for the news for us this week. Uh, recommendations and let's get out of here. Cool. Uh, so my recommendations, again, uh, Realm uh, or outside of the world of DC. I recently last week had the opportunity to tea to see two movies in theaters, and I'm going to recommend them both. Uh, Rob, you and I have already kind of talked about the first one, and I know you've you've said you're going to wait, which is perfectly fine for me. But uh, I went and saw Jurassic World uh, Fallen Kingdom on Tuesday, went to an advanced screening, and I loved it. I thought, uh, short of the original film, 
it, for the original Jurassic Park, it's probably the best in the series. You made the good point of that's not that's, really a high bar. I, I was going to say that's not a high bar, sir. <laughs> but I absolutely love Jurassic World, and I think this one's even better. It's fair warning, and I actually had to give this warning to a couple people who were in the group this weekend because their kids love Owen, which is the character Chris Pratt plays from the first one. And I was like, no, no, you cannot take your kids to see this one. It is very dark. It is very brutal. And it is this movie, which is probably going to turn some people away from it, is not for kids. Um, it, yeah, I, I'm very curious. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to definitely pass fully uh, in a theater experience for this one. Um, I had a couple other friends saw it, and I got the polar opposite uh, reaction where they said it was not a good movie at all. So, But it, I'm hearing a very mixed – it is a love it or hate it. I had another group of people, though, that also saw it and loved it too. Uh, and then another group that also saw it and also hated it. So <laughs> I'm not getting a lot of um, – I'm not getting anybody in the middle. It is it is a love or hate film from what I'm gathering from people. So. But you know what? I'm also one of those people who has, you know, done movie reviews and stuff like that in the past. And I know you agree with me completely. Don't go by what people say. Mm-hmm. Go to the movies, support the film industry, and actually form your own opinion on the film. Oh, yeah. And, and this is not – none of these are based purely or, or based on any form of, you know, critic reviews. This is based purely from oh, yeah. friend, friend word of mouth. When uh, it's leaving me very confused where I'm like, I think I may wait. <laughs> so uh, just because I'm not sure I just went and saw Ocean's 8 this past weekend. How so, is it? Because uh, that's uh, that's one I'm going to see this week. Uh, you can wait for Plex. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, I will say great, great, great cast of characters. Um, and I am fully on board to see whenever Ocean's 9 happens. Uh, I will definitely happily watch it, whether it's uh, at home, which is most likely will be a, a at home kind of thing. Uh, but a uh, little underwhelming as far as the heist itself, which is what I go to see those movies for. That's uh, why that, we love like Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Thirteen. Yes, because the heists were fun. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Thirteen's 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 good fun. Uh, but Eleven is wonderful. It is Eleven no, is still the best. Eleven is the one I go back to. I'm like, I want to watch a heist movie. I, I, my brain says I'm going to watch The Italian Job. Yes, that's I'm the gonna, other one. <laughs> or I'm going to watch Ocean's Eleven. It's yeah. it's one of the two. Um. And I know a lot of people hate the new Italian job. I love that movie still. I do too. Uh, uh, it's a fun movie. So, uh, But the uh, other movie that I saw this week uh, that I actually ended up really enjoying more than I thought I would was Tag. Um, if you don't know, it actually – a lot of people laugh when people say like it's it's you know it's a bunch of people playing a game of tag in their like 30s and 40s and when they say inspired by a true story it legitimately is inspired by a true story i've actually heard interviews with these guys before the movie was done you know and they said no there's a movie in development about our story and it it's so funny because you you watch these really exaggerated things that these guys go to just to be able to tag one of their friends and you think oh this is totally exaggerated just for the sake of comedy no no at the end of the movie they show you home videos that these guys have recorded of them doing this stuff and it is exactly how it is in the movie (laughs) it's hysterical so very much a comedy yes and i can tell you right now Somebody else said this this weekend, and I wholeheartedly agree with this comment. As much of with all the action that Jeremy Renner's character does in this movie, it's no wonder he wasn't in Avengers. 
<laughs> just, just tired. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. He'd be exhausted for Avengers. Uh, but tags, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun movie to go to. Um, and before you make your recommendations, I made one to you before, and I'm wondering if you have watched it yet. Have you I had the chance yet to watch Rampage? Not yet. Okay. Um, again, uh, my recommendation is the reason why, and that is the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I it feels so weird for me to say, guys, to sit down and just watch. Um, it's hard not to get hooked in that show. Uh, I was thinking about it the other night, and I'm like, you know what? I could sit down and watch Rampage now, and then I'm like, or I could watch the Great British Baking Show, <laughs> and I watched seven episodes of the Great British Baking Show instead. Um, <clears throat> so I will definitely get around to watching Rampage. I am morbidly curious. Uh, I, I know it is I, fun. I know it is a dumb popcorn movie, yeah. and those are fun every once in a while. So uh, I would be very curious to uh, to give it a shot. I'm looking forward to watching it. I, I, I've been looking at even watching this Death of Superman, which I was like, I should totally watch that. I'm excited to watch that. I'm like, but great British baking show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually baked last night for reals. Uh, I actually made Russian black bread. Which turned out phenomenal. So uh, it, it, it inspired me to get off my ass and actually do something. So there you go. So ta-da. Uh, but yeah, that's my recommendation. Which, dumb as it may sound, uh, but uh, give it a shot, especially if you you feel like you need some positivity. Well, now you're going to have to take a break from the Great British Baking Show to watch Death of Superman because that is indeed what we are covering next week on the podcast. Yep, so that means I'll watch that at about 2 in the morning Saturday night with a hangover. So, <laughs> <laughs> And then I'm like, I have to record at 9 in the morning. Uh, actually, no, uh, we'll actually have to talk a little bit. I did mention on Facebook uh, we may need to push back uh, to Monday night again next week just because, again, uh, next week, uh, that Saturday, uh, one of the biggest things that me and my wife do every year is throw a big 4th of July party. Ben, I, I know I will be seeing you there yes, and will. that will usually go super late into the night and I will be a train wreck the next day. I, I as will you. I. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I actually am supposed to be playing, uh, a, a, a board game. I am really looking forward to that Sunday. And even though they're like, come on, let's start at nine. I'm going to be like, let's start at 11. Uh, <laughs> It is a uh, it is a game called Gloomhaven, which is currently the number one ranked board game across the world. Uh, and everybody says it is essentially D&D &D in a box, but not as simplistic as that. Uh, if you're a board gamer, um, you know, there is a game out there called Descent, which is essentially like Diablo. It's like a dungeon crawler. Uh, but this is that game uh, with choose your own adventure blended all throughout. And it sounds phenomenal. No lie. The box is larger than two of my cats put together, and I'm talking about our large cats. And Ben knows my cats, and yes, they're quite, quite big. Uh, the game also weighs 25 pounds. Are you kidding? No lie. Uh, I want to play this game. I, I lucked out, and uh, <laughs> uh, normally this game was retailing for anywhere from minimum $140. It was going as high as 600 on eBay. Uh, the third printing just came out, so you're seeing it now for a more reasonable price that will not last long. It was a very limited run for its third printing. Um, this is a single person made this entire game, and uh, it has been out in the world for about two years. Um, there are not many copies out there. This is the largest printing they have ever done, and everybody says it, it, to expect it to be fully sold out again and not available for at least another eight months, probably within a week. So uh, I really lucked out, especially the fact that I got it for 80 bucks. I kind of want to play it now. 
<laughs> well, it is a campaign game, so it is one of those ones. From what I understand, it, each each scenario takes about two hours. There is ninety five scenarios in the game. Sixty of them are the campaign. Uh, so uh, pretty pretty crazy. But it sounds like you can drop in, drop out players, kind of like a video game. So pretty oh, cool. cool. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I might have to try it sometime. Yeah, so uh, I'm super excited. So that's probably going to be my other recommendation. So oh, cool. Uh, all right, so that wraps it up then for recommendations, cheap plugs, and then we will get out of here. Um, as always, you can catch all of the podcasts, including this one, on the Next Level Podcast Network, which can be found at www.nextlevelradioonline.com or on Facebook, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. The Facebook page for this particular podcast, facebook.com slash Primetime, as Rob mentioned earlier. And lastly, you can give us a call and leave us a voicemail on our DC Primetime voicemail, one 247 5380 again 888-247-5380 toll free in the u.s and canada uh as for me you can always find me at nextlevelradioonline.com through the caffeine crew cast of pods our last episode we put up was about came out about what two and a half weeks ago i want to say maybe a little bit longer now i can't remember uh i know i recorded it about three weeks ago i think it came out about two and a half uh, or two weeks ago but that is the board game episode make sure to check that out um, we are probably going to be recording the week after 4th of July because of the holiday. Uh, so we'll probably be recording not this coming Monday, uh, but the following. And that is going to be mythology and pop culture. Uh, I'm really excited about that one. So uh, we are uh, in early planning stages, going to be start pulling our cast together for that soon. And that'll probably be out really quickly after probably by that Wednesday or Thursday morning uh, after we get that recorded. So cool. Um. Special thanks. I'll let you do it since you usually do it. Oh, yeah. Special thanks to our good <laughs> friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. We thank him each and every episode for the tunes that you get to hear in the beginning and the end of the show. So, uh, But you won't be hearing them much longer soon because it'll be annual time. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to hear our other favorite tunes. So, um, But, yeah, don't forget next week, uh, Death of Superman, the animated film. We're also going to be going back a couple months uh, and Ben is going to give us uh, a fuller impression of uh, Telltale Season 2 because he finally finished up Batman Season 2. Or if he hasn't yet, we'll have by no, next No, I have. <laughs> I have. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so we'll get into it a little bit more. Uh, I don't remember much of what happened, but I kind of do at the same time. So uh, I'll definitely be refreshing my uh, myself and where things ended for me. So Yeah, really cool. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of DC Primetime. Uh, again, next week, I, I can't remember if we if you mentioned this already or not, but uh, yeah, because of your annual 4th of July party, which I look forward to every year, most likely going to be recording a day late on that as well. So it'll be recorded Monday and dropped on Tuesday morning, uh, as it was this week. And then so, after that, uh, annual time. So Yep. Yes, sir. Uh, But that being said, we are going to get out of here. Enjoy the rest of your week. And until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.